Hey, thanks for joining us here, whether you're in person with us, whether you're online with us right now, maybe you're watching On Demand a little bit later. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Bob, I'm one of the pastors here at Plum Creek, and we are gonna continue the series that we've been in for the last several weeks, which is called Listen. We've been looking at how can we hear the voice of God in our lives. Now, I need to make a confession right off the bat here that I am not the best listener. I am a man of a lot of words. You can ask my friends, my wife, my kids. I have lots of words, okay, which can make me not a very good listener. And I know some of you are worried at this point after I shared that. You're like, I sure hope he doesn't have many words today in his sermon, okay? So I'm on a clock. They're watching me all the time. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. But working on listening is just that for me, it's work. I think it's gonna be a lifelong process for me. And on top of that, not just my many words, God has wired me to be what I'd call an activist. God's wired me to naturally be in motion, to be doing. I love what I get to do here at Plum Creek and participating in what God's doing through the church and in the valley, but I'm at my best when I'm in motion, when I'm being present with people, solving problems for people, for the church, for businesses, building teams, and trying to make deeper impact, but all of that is movement. What I'm not naturally good at is sitting still and listening. Even that little pause there was awkward for me, okay? I wanna fill that space with words. But listening to God through focused prayer, reflection, silence, solitude, it's difficult for me. These are learned behaviors for me and I have to practice and schedule these times into my schedule because I know how important and essential it is to be deeply connected to God is to practice these. I can't hear them if I don't practice these. Now, when I compare myself to other people, I feel like God is not quite as chatty with me as he is with some of my friends. I've often wondered if maybe I have some type of spiritual hearing impairment. Does anybody else ever feel like that? Now, I know what some of you are thinking who don't know me. You're looking at me and you're like, well, Bob, you, you know, it does look like you're getting up there in years, okay? So maybe a little hearing loss. And my friends know I'm 59. I turned 60 in March. My, my kids comment on the size of the font that I use on my iPhone. In fact, they say things like, Dad, I had no idea the iPhone had fonts that big. Or, Dad, your fonts are ginormous, okay? So it would make sense that I'm a little hard of hearing. But with God, too? I know this, though, because I did some research. I'm in good company if I am. Because 7% of all Americans over the age of 45 have hearing aids because of hearing loss. And hearing loss for people who can't afford or don't have access to hearing aids, their hearing loss has some serious implications for their life. They can't hear somebody say their name or someone trying to get their attention. They can't hear a car horn or they can't participate in a conversation in a loud public space like a restaurant. Hearing loss can actually affect your balance it can make you feel isolated. It can lead to depression and other mental health 
issues. Hearing loss causes real consequences, has real consequences in our life. And this got me thinking. I wonder what the statistics would be for hearing loss in Christ, loss in Christ followers as it pertains to hearing from God. How many of us might need some spiritual hearing aids to be able to hear God's voice? If we're not able to hear, to tune in to God's voice, wouldn't you agree that the implications for us are probably going to be very significant? The great news is this, is that there is a hearing aid when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Throughout the Bible, the Bible shows us and tells us that the best hearing aid for our spiritual life is humility. And conversely, that the biggest hindrance to hearing the voice of God is pride. Humility is the catalyst for listening. It tunes us in to God's voice. It amplifies his whispers. And that brings us to our main thought today. Humility heightens our hearing. Pride dulls it. The thinker C.S. Lewis defined humility as this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's, it's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking of less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. That's so good, isn't it? Humility isn't self-deprecation. It isn't being critical of yourself, focusing on your flaws and mistakes. It isn't downplaying your giftings, your accomplishments, your purpose, your strength, or your beauty. Humility is simply not being preoccupied with yourself or preoccupied with your own voice. Paul reminds us of this in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Here's a question. What do you have your sights set on? right now? Whose voice or what voices are you turned into? Because humility will lead us to be thoughtful and ask these kind of questions if we will let it. And wouldn't you agree, if we really wanna hear from God, we've gotta ask these type of thoughtful questions. So what I would like to do, I would like to ask your permission today to ask some thoughtful questions about pride and humility in our lives and take a deep look at it. Sometimes it might be hard, I know it has been for me, but do I have your permission today to ask some hard questions about your relationship with pride and humility? Would that be okay? Awesome, all eight of you there. Would that be okay? All right. I keep waiting for one person to go, no, <laughs> don't do it now. C.S. Lewis also said this, a proud man is always looking down on things and people, and of course, as long as you are looking down, you can't see something that's above. We're to focus our eyes up towards Jesus Christ, 
and to tune into his voice. This is a simple concept, but it's hard to live out, isn't it? And the reason this is hard to live out for us is because the spiritual heart condition that we have called sin, which is kind of a heavy word, but it simply means this. It means we have a predisposition of our heart to live independent of God. Pastor and author John Mark Comer probes this thought a little bit deeper for those of us that are following Jesus, and he makes this statement. Maybe the truth is that we want a God who is controllable because we want to be God. We want to be the authority on who God is or isn't and what's right or wrong, but we want, a ma- want the mask of religion or spirituality to cover up the I wanna be God reality. And a thoughtful question in response to that, are there places in my life, in my relationship with God and relationship with people where I live trying to mask it spiritually to look good on the outside, but really inside, the reality is I wanna be God. That's pride. Humility starts by recognizing recognizing that we need, need God. Humility starts by recognizing we're actually in need of a savior in Jesus Christ. Humility is a prerequisite for listening and hearing from God. Humility partners with God, pride does it on our own. Humility recognizes that God is enough, pride thinks I am enough. Humility gives credit, pride takes credit. Humility listens for God's plan. Pride asks God to bless our plan. And humility heightens hearing. Pride dulls it. One of the places that the Bible illustrates this is the book where we started the series in 1 Samuel. Pastor Doug taught on it our first time. Uh, We were together looking at the series, Listen. And we're introduced in 1 Samuel to the touching story of Hannah, who is grieved because she cannot have children. But by God's grace and in answer to her desperate prayer, she has a boy, Samuel. And Samuel is the young man who we get this prayer for our series, which is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Hopefully, we've been praying that prayer over these last few weeks. And Hannah's joyful response to the birth of her baby boy is that she writes this poem and then sings it in song. And the message of Hannah's song is this. God opposes the proud and he exalts the humble. God opposes the proud, but he lifts up, raises up the humble. And so this theme carries throughout 1 and 2 Samuel, where in these books, King Saul's pride, which eventually brings him down, and King David's humility, which leads to God lifting him up, are contrasted. Now, both Saul and David had good reasons to be proud. Both were successful, They were good looking, they held high positions, they led armies, they accumulated great wealth, and they led a nation. Their resumes are impeccable. But as Saul's success grew, so did his pride. And as Saul's pride grew, 
it impaired his hearing from God. So much so that towards the end of his life, Saul could no longer hear from God. I don't know exactly why, but maybe God got tired of talking to somebody who wasn't listening. Maybe Saul built up some type of spiritual earwax in there that he could no longer hear God's whisper. I don't know you, about you, but I do know for me, I don't wanna be the guy that God stops talking to because I'm not listening. Nor do I wanna build up spiritual earwax so I can't hear his whispers because the result in Saul's life were catastrophic. And it's my experience that life has enough troubles and challenges of its own without me helping along the way. Wouldn't you agree with that? Now in comparison, we've got David. David seems to have like a direct line to God. He hears God clearly, he hears God quickly. And this is attributed to David's humility. We're gonna look now at David in 2 Samuel chapter five. If you have your Bible or you would like to follow along in your device, 2 Samuel chapter five, verse 17. And I want us to notice how David's humility leads to listening and partnering with God. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all, Three words, big word, all their forces to capture him, the entire Philistine army. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, Go ahead, I will certainly hand them over to you. Now some helpful context here. David had just been anointed king of Israel and the Philistines see an opportunity here to strike at Israel before David is able to consolidate his power. They see Israel at a point of weakness. David isn't looking for a fight here, but the fight comes to him. The Philistines were a violent people. The religion had them practice child and infant sacrifice. They were power hungry and they had a great army. David responds to their attack by going to the stronghold, a safe place to think, to listen to God. God is the first person he goes to when attacked. What is your first response when you're challenged or attacked or given bad news? Who, who do you go to first? I know for me, the first person I go to often is my wife, Rosalind. Sometimes it's Pastor Doug or Pastor Gary or Pastor Craig. And my tendency sometimes is to react, to get defensive, to be offended, or maybe I just shoot off that text or email. Sometimes I just want to fight. I'm kind of like, oh, really? Come at me, bro. Let's go right now. Some of you think I'm kidding. I want to fight. 
But notice David doesn't do any of those things. David gets quiet and listens. This is remarkable because if anyone could have just reacted, popped off, and had a good con- kind of had a good outcome on the other side of this, it would have been David. He was an accomplished warrior and leader. He had a skilled army of 600 men who were experienced in battle. These were strong, hardened men. As a teenager, he tended his father's flocks. And when a bear or lion carried off one of the sheep, he chased it down, seized it by its hair, and killed it. Think about that. That would be, I mean, you'd have a little swagger, wouldn't you, if like you'd killed the lion or the bear? And I was like, I can't even comprehend what that would look like. So driving here this morning, I was, as I'm going by Rhyolite Park, I live in Crystal Valley, I think it would have looked something like this. I'm driving along to the church, Rhyolite Park's on my right, that mountain bike track is over there, you know what I'm talking about. I'm driving by and I see a bear, a big black bear running up the mountain bike track with somebody's labradoodle in its mouth. (laughs) Chasing behind him is a middle school guy with a leash. And the middle school kid, he's catching the bear. Cue, you've got to like cue the iPhone, you stop the car right there, you get out and you're like, I am filming what's about to go down. This is gonna be so good right here, and you're watching and the kid catches the bear, grabs it, scoops, slams it onto the ground, pulls out the leash, wraps it around its neck, and goes and chokes that thing out. I immediately, I mean immediately, I'm like, this dude is already Insta-famous. This is going on my TikTok account right now, nine million views, right? He's famous. And not only this, David, don't forget, took care of Goliath when he was a teenager. And he'd fought the Philistines, the Geshurites, the Grizzites, the Amalekites, and he was undefeated. But David doesn't trust his resume or his experience. He trusts God. So he goes to a safe and quiet place to listen. This is the picture of humility. For David, humility had become a habit. He was a man after God's own heart. He saw life as a partnership with God. Not an equal partnership, but a partnership nonetheless where God was the senior partner and he was the junior partner. He knew where the battle was gonna be won or lost. Here and in life. And that was in the listening. David listened because humility heightens hearing and pride dulls it. For David, humility had become a habit. Now, my guess is that this humility didn't just show up in this moment. In fact, I think this humility habit that David had was built way before David's warrior days. I think it was built in the solitude and quiet of shepherding his father's flocks. Just David and God. A lot of time to talk, only interrupted with the occasional lion or bear chase. His listening skills were built in the quiet, his confidence in the adversity of fighting bears and lions. 
through both quiet and adversity, David came to understand that God is always with him and that God is always for him. Well, in the end, this battle isn't much of a battle. In fact, it's a rout. So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named this place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord bursts through or breaks out like a flood. I think the Philistines were a little bit overwhelmed that day. David gives credit for the victory to God. It's one more example of his humility habit because humility gives credit, pride takes credit. Now I know what some of you are thinking because I was thinking it, okay, look, anybody can get it right on one day. Like, is anybody really this good? Like this is one time, David had a good day, we put it in the top 10 of the Bible. Look what happens shortly after he routes the Philistines. Just when David thinks he finally has peace, the Philistines come back for more. But after a while, the Philistines returned again and spread out, spread out across the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack near the poplar. Poplar is a type of tree. Okay, they're not sure exactly if it was poplar, balsam, or aspen, but I live in Colorado, so I choose to picture this as aspen. This time, God changes the tactics, doesn't he? No frontal assault. He says, circle around behind them and then listen to what he instructs David to do. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, the aspen, be on alert. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. How easy would it have been for David to just march out there and fight the Philistines the same way again? To presume that if God had blessed him once, then certainly wouldn't God bless him twice? But David listens again. Humility was his habit. And these 600 plus fighting men, we don't know how many. You've got to picture this. They are waiting in the trees for this marching army over their head. At least one of them, come on, at least one of them is thinking, this is a little bit crazy. Like I trust David, I trust David hears from God, but this is kind of a wild plan, isn't it? We gotta remember that as we listen to God, that has implications for the people that we lead in our lives, doesn't it? I picture these 600 like hardened warriors sitting down or kneeling down or listening for something in the trees above. They've got the advantage of surprise. The testosterone, it's flowing, 600 men. This is like a, a guy's camping trip, like right about to come off the rails here. And then there's a little breeze. And all of a sudden, 600 men are like, all right, here we go. We're ready. 
And then the breeze calms down and they're like, And then a little bit more of a breeze and they're like, okay, this is it, this time let's go. And David's like, But then a wind comes, kind of like the wind we get in Castle Rock during the winter that blows snow and your Traeger grill and everything that's loose on your patio over. And it sounds like there's a marching army above them and they go out and they route them from Gibeon to Gezer. Do you know how far that is? 17 miles. We never really hear about the Philistines again because they're not a problem after this battle. David is an example that success doesn't have to lead to pride. That humility really can become a habit in our life. And that humility can aid our hearing and we really can be confident that we can hear from God. So as we close, I want us to do this. With David as an example who inspires us to ask, where have I allowed success to create pride in me? Do I think subtly that I have life or work or marriage or parenting or some other things all figured out? Am I living a, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of life? where I trust the sound of my own voice more than I trust God's? Could it be possible that I'm really not doing anything wrong? In fact, actually I'm doing a lot of things right, but I'm settling for good instead of listening to God and experiencing his great for my life. Humility gives us the courage to ask questions like this. And our courage to ask these questions and to answer them determines how well we hear from God. Because humility heightens hearing, pride dulls it. So here's what I'd like us to do. I know some of you have done the hard work of developing the habit of humility. You listen and hear from God like David did. But for those of us here, like myself, who need some aid in hearing from God, would you consider practicing humility with me 10 minutes every day this week? Just 10 minutes. I'm inviting you to P-R-A-Y with me. P, practice gratitude. Take a moment each day to remember all that you have and all that you have to be thankful for. And can I make a suggestion? Maybe we would get on our knees as we do that. A humble position before God. Or remember, God is with you. He's for you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, I will be with you always. A is to ask, ask God to reveal any areas of pride in your life that might be dulling your hearing. And yes, listen and say yes to whatever God shows you or asks you to do. I'm gonna pray for us in a minute about that, that, w- this would be, that we would become a church that creates 
humility in our lives, that it would be our habit and that we would listen to God and hear from him. But I would also like to do this. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship in song, but this prayer I'm gonna pray, it's gonna be for those of us in the room right now that feel like we're in a battle. We weren't looking for a fight, but the fight came to us. Our circumstances feel overwhelming and beyond our ability control. It could be your health, it could be work, it could be a broken relationship, it could be exhaustion, addiction, cancer, the consequences of past mistakes, trauma, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, you know what that battle is, and so does God. If this is you, I want you to know something. Me too, me too. This has been an overwhelming and humbling week. The fight has come to me, and this week required me to literally practice what I just preached. I did okay. But I know this, he's for me and he's with me. So if this is you today, I want you to invite you to invite God into this battle with you. He wants to fight with you, for you, and lift you up in this moment, and he wants, as you draw near to him, know that he's gonna draw near to you. So please stand if you're able. And let's pray with our hearts open, but our eyes closed and our heads bowed. If what I just described, this battle, you're in some type of battle right now that feels overwhelming and you need to invite God into it, you need God's power and presence in this with you, would you do me a favor? Just slip up your hand. Mine is up. Thank you. Many of you, I see you, thank you. You can put it down. So let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as a church, would you stir in us the desire to practice P-R-A-Y-ing this week? And would you make humility a habit in our lives? Would you amplify your voice? May we hear your words and know the moving of your spirit. And Father, I pray for those of us right now in a battle. We need you. We are overwhelmed and we invite you into this fight with us. And we praise, pray that you would pour yourself out like raging waters on what it is that we face. We pray for your healing, your humility, your power, your presence, and your peace. We need you. And as we draw near to you in our distress, we ask that you would draw near to us. Father, speak to us. Your servants are listening. 